And then there were eight. Welcome to the D1 Softball Podcast presented by S2 Cognition. I'm Gray Robertson. That is Tara Henry. Tara, we have the field. We have the eight for the Women's College World Series. What a super regional weekend it was across the board. A lot of intrigue, a lot of drama, and now we get ready to go to OKC. Absolutely. I can't believe we're down to the final eight, Gray. And I just want to, before we start the show, say happy Memorial Day to everybody uh, and thank all those that have served uh, and protected this great country. So happy Memorial Day to all. We'll keep it short for everybody. I know you probably probably are all out at your barbecues, but just wanted to get that at the top of the hour. And now we can get into some softball, Gray, because you're right. What a weekend it was. uh, And I can't wait to get into it with you. Yeah, we will dive into so much, and we will keep it a little bit short because I got a lot of laundry that I have to do. The bus leaves in four hours that will take the luggage to Oklahoma City, so I got to make sure my suitcase is all packed and ready to go. Uh, There is so much to cover, but of course, if you want to get a lot of content, then check the D1Softball.com website. Use the promo code PODCAST20 for 20% off of an annual subscription. Or Tara, they can check out the D1Softball reinvigorated Instagram. Yeah, absolutely. We are back on the gram. Uh, Head on over to at D1 softball underscore. We'll have all of our uh, updates over there as well throughout uh, the women's college world series. And we've got some exciting things happening for the women's college world series. We'll get into that in a little bit, but we will be there uh, in person and have some merchandise for sale uh, and you'll get some really cool D1 gear and that'll be up on the site here uh, in the next day or two. So stay tuned for that. Well, we have some pretty cool styles and maybe some team gear. Sign me up. I'm in. I'm in <laughs> and I'll be there. So we'll, I'm sure have some great D1 content together as well, which I'm very excited about. All right, so we will we'll work through each super regional. We'll go super by super, bracket mm-hmm. style, which means we start in the top left with maybe the craziest game two that we and maybe the craziest game, frankly, of the entire season. The Norman Super Regional, Oklahoma sweeps Clemson, but that is just barely scratching the surface. Tara, game two, so full of drama. Oklahoma down to their final strike, two outs, down 7-4 in the top of the seventh. And then I'll play the video. This <laughs> happened. Swung on, hit deep to left field. It is back. It is gone. We are tied. Now, I could say a lot about the pitch call and the location, but we're not going to focus on that. That's another day. Kinsey Hansen comes up with the big hit to tie the game. Tiari Jennings eventually wins it in nine for Oklahoma with a solo home run, eight to seven. Clemson executed the formula to beat Oklahoma perfectly and still couldn't do it because the Sooners found a way once again because, Tara, they are just that good. Oh, absolutely. And Brooklyn coming up the start for the Tigers in the circle. Obviously, Valerie Cagle came in in relief. And, you know, Maddie Moore home run, uh, Mackenzie Clark home run. The Tigers put on the Tigers. And at one point, you're sitting there with two outs. And so I think 
interesting is can they do it when They're good at what they do. And to see Kinsey Hansen shine on that, some of us were shocked. Uh, but to see the crowd in left field at Marita Hines Field on the last day game uh, in Marita Hines Field, uh, incredibly special. And I just don't think we're giving Riley Boone enough credit as well because she's been the one that kind of starts off all those rallies. And when Riley Boone gets on base, uh, I feel like good things happen. So, you know, got to tip your cap to Riley and what she does on that offense because there's just a lot of players on that lineup up and down that we highlight every week. And I just don't think we talk enough about Riley Boone and her ability to get things going. Yeah, Riley Boone is another FGCLer that I knew from a couple summers ago, the uh, the player of the year in the FGCL back in 2021. And her talent was evident then. And to see the clutch factor that she brings to the Oklahoma lineup, not, not just in general, but particularly in the nine spot. If you've got somebody who can get on base consistently in the nine spot and turn it over to the top of the order, a top of the order that, mind you, is Jada Coleman and Tiari <laughs> Jennings, then you're in a good position. Oh, absolutely. And then you, we can't forget Sydney Sanders' play falling or diving into the dugout, just no regard for her body, just trying to get an out for her pitcher. So you can't, we can't miss that either. I wish we had that replay, but just all out play from the Sooners uh, to, to get through and get that win was huge because Patty Gasso said uh, in the post-game interview, they were exhausted at that point. And uh, to get that win and that sweep against a really tough Clemson Tiger team, it shows you how, well John Rittman has done with that squad in just a few years and I wouldn't I think in any other regional Clemson potentially gets into the women's college world series if they're not playing OU and uh hats off to the Clemson Tigers on an incredible season and can't say enough about Valerie Cagle uh and her ability to do uh things on both sides of the ball just an incredible arm and an incredible bat and um excited to see what she does next season yeah Valerie Cagle certainly acquitted herself at the plate this weekend and had some struggles in the circle, but you're exactly right. I mean, we talked about it last week. We knew Clemson would be prepared coming into this super. I don't think I expected to see the games play out the way that they did, you know, game one down four, nothing scoring two runs could have gotten more game two. I mean, Oklahoma talk about a first punch back-to-back solo home runs to start game two. And then Clemson fights back and is up seven to four. At one point, I mean, the Tigers were really, really impressive as uh, we'll flash this, the win probability for the game. <laughs> I, I don't necessarily agree with the math that Clemson was still projected to win 60% after the Kenzie Hansen home run, uh, because I think at that point you kind of knew what was happening. But it does show just the craziness of how this game played out. Oh, absolutely. And you're taking a look. We might have lost Tara for just a moment. Hey, everybody. I must be having trouble with my Wi-Fi. Gray, I'll let you take it from, take it from here on this uh, win probability. All right. I'll stall for just a moment. 
Yeah, Clemson, I mean, again, you can see just on the chart how close that they were to, to truly getting it. And and obviously, we we saw how close they were being a strike away. I, I think, again, we could talk about the 0-2 pitch call. I'm not quite sure why you would go up in the zone in that regard with Valerie Cagle, who does have a, a good rise ball, but low, her drop, that's her bread and butter. And especially after Kinsey Hansen took the 0-1, that was low and inside, uh, I would have gone right back to that spot. And I think, again, it just shows the fight that Oklahoma has. You know, now we've seen a lot of evidence that even in games where it takes a moment for them to start being Oklahoma, they find ways to win and they find ways to make the comeback. We've got Texas as an example. We've got Oklahoma State as an example. Isn't that right, Tara? Oklahoma, yeah. even when they're not crushing people, they still find ways to win because at this point they can do it in every way possible. Well, and they, they've just got a plan against uh, every opposing pitcher, every opposing batter, and I think that's what's really evident is they, they go to school, they do the work, and are incredibly prepared for any arm they're going to see. And you see the, the players go back into the dugout and they're chatting with Jay. JT Gasso, uh, every at bat, getting information, talking about the at bat, and I and I think that's what makes them so great. That they're constantly learning, they're constantly trying to get better. Uh, they're not just sitting back and just using their talent uh, to to be incredible players. They're constantly learning, and I think that what that's what separates them from the the rest of the country. Uh, and and never letting up. And we heard Patty in that in-game interview as well it was a tough game for Oklahoma and one that you'd argue was probably a good one for the Sooners heading into the Women's College World Series to get ready for some battles uh, as they head to OKC yeah you talked about being prepared for every pitcher well probably next up is Nigeri Kennedy from Stanford because the Cardinal in the ACT Super come out at like <laughs> 10 a.m central time a sweet 7-2 to two in Game 2, and I'll tell you what, the Stanford offense really, really impressed me. As great as the pitching was, as great as Kennedy was, and Vauder was really solid as well, the Stanford offense is what really got my attention here this weekend because they are able to carry over the success from regionals that I wondered, uh, was it just Florida pitching or was Stanford's offense actually starting to turn the corner? Now I think we know the answer. They're truly starting to turn the corner and what a fascinating little matchup they'll have with Oklahoma on day one of the Women's College World Series. Absolutely. You're looking at a Stanford Cardinal squad that has arguably the best pitching staff in the country uh, and best pitcher in the rookie, uh, Nigeri Kennedy. And then you add in Alana Vodder, who led that squad just a season ago, hard down baller. So, you know, the Sooners are going to have their work cut out from. And you're right, Gray. I think the biggest question mark throughout the entire season with Stanford was, can the offense get it done? And they did get it done against uh, Duke. And it's just at the end of the day, you, you take a look at, at the lineup. You look at Taylor Gindelsberger. You look at a, a rookie in River Mailer uh, and Emily Young and Ali Kanashiro. They're all getting it done, but they're doing it collectively as a squad, as a group, and really good team offense. They're not going to hit the ball out of the yard. We know that. Uh, I think they've got, I don't know what it is, 25 home runs on the season, the least amount in, in all of the, the teams that are participating in the Women's College World Series. But they are going to do some good, uh, you know, 60 feet turn left. Uh, I love that Newbie said that last week. It's it's base to base uh, and just getting singles and a couple doubles. And I think 
it's going to be an interesting matchup for the Sooners because those are two uh, viable arms in the circle that they could mix in and out. And I think Jess Alistair has done an incredible job managing that pitching staff, not only through games, but throughout the season. We saw Nigeria Kennedy take two weeks off uh, to rest her shoulder, rest her arm. She didn't throw against UCLA. But I also think that uh, Alistair is really smart about that stuff. She pulled uh, Nigeria Kennedy at, out of the game in the Pac-12 championship while well looking ahead to where they are now and for the Cardinal to get back to the Women's College World Series for the first time uh, since Alistair played back in 2005. And remember, Stanford and Oklahoma have played this year, but neither Vodder or Kennedy threw. That was a Reagan Krause special, and that was before Reagan Krause had kind of figured it out. Her beginning of the year was not great, but she has certainly turned it around the last few months. I think that this is potentially, again, you know, kind of the, an interesting matchup for Oklahoma because of the amount of arms. Again, referring back to the Clemson game, we saw Clemson rotating arms and it almost worked. I mean, that seems to be the best way to try and beat the Sooners to keep them off balance with multiple pitchers. Uh, Clemson came oh so close to forcing a game three. Stanford is going to be able to keep Oklahoma off balance. It's just about whether they'll be able to hit Jordy Ball and Nicole May and Alex Duraco. Well, and I think we saw Clemson show that you can score runs off the Sooners. And I think that will help Stanford in their game planning uh, and how to attack uh, those three arms. Again, OU, OU's pitching staff, which I know we've got a lot of OU fans on here, is one of the best in the country as well. So we're having yeah. two, two incredible pitching staffs going head-to-head uh, in that first matchup. But you know, I think OU has tr- historically had trouble with the down ball, and that's why you said that pitch call against Kinsey Hansen. Uh, I'm surprised that they went up and out out on the zone to let her get extended and her, her hands out and hit that ball over the fence. But again, a Jordy ball in the circle is going to be tough to beat, uh, and Stanford's going to have to be really creative in their game planning uh, against Jordy ball because I think she's going to get the start for the Sooners in that first game. But another good matchup and a, and a good test uh, for the Sooners. And just a word on Duke. I hated to see Jennings go out with the hit-by-pitch injury in Game 2. Cassidy Curd didn't have her best in Game 2. A young squad uh, that will lose some people after this year, but that will continue to get better. And they're they're just – they've been so close now twice. But yeah. they got to get over that hump at some point if they want to continue the progression of this program. And, you know, we've seen a theme here, Gray. I think – we always say defense wins championships. I don't know that we've said it a lot uh, as of late, but as you get into these closer games, you got to really play tight defense and you got to make those tight plays. And throughout uh, the regionals, those teams that didn't advance the women's college role series, a lot of that had to do with errors in the field. Um, So shoring that up and being able to, you know, pick up the ball and and simply throw it, which sounds easy, but it's pretty, it's pretty difficult to do, especially in high pressure situations. And we'll get into a little bit of that when we get to the Salt Lake City Regional. Um, But uh, I think at the end of the day, good defense and and OU has great defense. And I think that's one of the the reasons and cornerstones as to why they are so good. Um, And we saw when the defense broke down what that did, right? So um, when the defense breaks down, it causes some some issues for the rest of the squad. So uh, congratulations to Duke. I had them heading into the Women's College World Series, uh, and I think, uh, you know, 
Stanford came in there. And again, with that 6 a.m. Uh, on the West Coast, I was up at 6 a.m. watching that wake-up call. They had no problems uh, playing and getting it done in two there. So, But congratulations to Marcia Young and that squad and Sydney Romero in her first year there at Duke for an incredible season. All of your sailing, Tara, has prepared you to get up for 6 a.m. action. <laughs> you were good. There was no issue. What are you talking about? Uh, let's move on down. Uh, the reason that you can hear my laundry machine maybe in the background, it's a little slight faint uh, murmur, is because of what happened in the Tuscaloosa Super Regional as Alabama uh, completes the comeback third time in program history. Alabama has lost game one of a Super at home and come back and won the next two, Stanford, Oklahoma, and now Northwestern this weekend. Uh, there are a lot of storylines here. Um, Montana Fouts getting her 100th career win. Everything that Jayla Torrance has done in this postseason has been just truly remarkable. Uh, you can talk a lot, I think, about Jenna Johnson and Allie Shipman and Callie Hevelin's plays in the field. Yesterday might have been her best defensive game of her career. Uh, Northwestern, Danielle Williams, a ton of fight from her. Jordan Rudd, amazing, amazing, amazing career. I have said plenty on the air about this Super Terra, so I'll toss it to you. Yeah, no, I just, I want to, hats off to Jayla Torrance, because I, I know we've spoken about this a lot, Gray. I, I don't think the Tide uh, are in that position without her. Uh, we know that she's gotten it done in the circle. And yes, the story is Montana Fouts. And yes, it, it was incredible to see her get that last out and, and go down to one knee, her, her good knee. Um, and to see just the collective will of, the Alabama softball program. And I think I saw, I believe I saw that when I watched the game against Ole Miss, there's something felt different uh, about that team. And there was a belief behind that team. And it was kind of next man standing mentality. It wasn't just one person. It was everybody working together. And I actually think Montana Fouts going down uh, is a big reason why the Tide are back in the Women's College World Series. It forced everybody to up their game. It it, it allowed us to see Jayla Torrance shine uh, in the spotlight, in the circle. So can't say enough about the Tide and that turnaround because if you would have said to me, Gray, in the beginning of the season when we were watching Alabama, if they were going to be in the Women's College World Series, I would have told you you were crazy. And to see this turnaround, I know I would have told you that. Uh, I'm just telling you how I feel. I know you didn't agree, but that's okay. Um, to see this turnaround and to see the Tide back in the Women's College World Series, it's just been a fun, fun uh, team to watch over the past uh, couple of weeks and couldn't be more excited uh, for Montana Fouts to to be able to end her career uh, in Oklahoma City because she does mean so much to this sport and for people to be able to see her and her greatness and, and just the person that she is. Um, I just, I couldn't be more happy for her uh, to be able to, to go out on her terms. Jayla's performances in the regionals, in the supers, uh, I continue to be blown away. And there have been a lot of times in the history of Alabama softball, especially in years where I've been calling where the ace has gone down with an injury and somebody has stepped up and thrown the best two or three weeks of their life. You know, I think in 2019, it, it was uh, Sarah Cornell and Courtney Gettens really mm -hmm. unleashed. In 2018, it was Courtney Gettens when Alexis Osorio went down. And this year it was Jayla Torrance. And to, to see her growth, not just from the start of the year to now, from the SEC tournament to now, I think really blows me away. Her confidence is sky high. A lot of props to Lance McMahon, the pitching coach, for 
continuing to work with her and to develop her and, and to make sure that she was in a position where she was ready for the moment. And, and I think this is the last thing I'll say about it. Um, I think with this team, the thing that I see more than any other team that I've ever covered personally is true belief. You know, even after the Lehigh game, I remember being in the clubhouse and associate head coach Allison Habits was sitting, sitting there and the mood wasn't great. And she said, you know what, we'll be looking back at this and saying how much sweeter this whole journey has been once we get to Oklahoma City. And I think to see this team truly believe, despite all of the all of the reasons not to, quite frankly, this year, uh, has been the most impressive thing to me because it hasn't just been the injury to Montana Fouts. Ali Shipman going down in the Ole Miss series kind of changed things a little bit there. Ashley Prangy, as the offense was kind of starting to figure things out, got hurt in the Auburn series, and then you lost the next two games there. And now the last month, I think we've seen what Ashley Prangy truly means to this offense, and she's hitting about 460 in the NCAA tournament. So – I've been really impressed, and I am also grateful that I get to go to Oklahoma City and hang out with you, Tara, and watch some softball in person. So it all works out. Oh, absolutely. And and congratulations to Northwestern and their season uh, and Danielle Williams. What an incredible year uh, and career uh, she's had at Northwestern, all those super seniors, and um, what they've meant to that program. Gritty squad, and they've been playing on that field together for almost, I think, almost five years. So just want to to say congratulations uh, to Northwestern on uh, a great season and, um, you know, tough, tough loss for them uh, as well. I think they thought that they were heading back to OKC for the second year in a row, um, but can't say enough about what Kate Drohan does and Big Ten, they were holding the torch for the Big Ten, but if we're taking a look at the Women's College World Series, it looks like the Pack is the one that's leading uh, in the Women's College World Series yet again, which I know the Pack gets a lot of flack, but we got three teams uh, from the Pac-12 heading into back to the Women's College World Series. With no UCLA, which is With crazy. UCLA. Or Arizona, not that that was even an option. But uh, I, I will add one more thing about Northwestern. Uh, Danielle Williams got a, a big round of applause as the team was leaving the field, and she deserved it. Uh, you, you're exactly right. Uh, her career in many ways mirrors Montana Fouts's, mm-hmm. And it was it was always going to be hard that one of them was not going to be able to go to OKC this weekend. Uh, I think Northwestern deserves a lot of credit for the the game that they played. And that is a really, really, really good team who will, you know, replace those seniors, those departing seniors in some form or fashion and be back because there are a lot of young pieces, I think, that can make the Wildcats continue to be a threat to go to Oklahoma City moving forward. So Alabama's in the World Series. There are two SEC teams there, and of course they're playing each other mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's how it goes. Tennessee sweeps the Knoxville Super Regional, getting two from Texas. Game one, little, little tight. Texas missed some chances. Game two, Peyton Gottschall slams the door. Texas can't do a darn thing. Uh, we talked about how Texas is a very hot and cold team. I picked Texas to win the Super. Yes, a person who tweeted me, I know I was wrong. That's fine. (laughs) But we didn't get hot Texas. We got very, very cold Texas. And and I'm going to be honest, the Longhorns laid an egg in Knoxville, and and Tennessee absolutely took advantage of every error, miscue, everything that Texas did wrong in this Super Regional. 
Uh, absolutely. And Tennessee did it without Lair Boutte as well, who suffered a concussion earlier in the week, was not in the starting lineup. But, you know, I was looking back on predictions in the beginning of the season, and one of my question marks was how, how much of an impact is Peyton Gottschall going to have uh, on that Tennessee pitching staff and in helping Ashley Rogers? And I think we, we saw evidence of that this past weekend. Uh, she was perfect through five innings for the Vols and, and did an incredible job against Texas a team that can get hot, but you're right, Gray. We, we saw a team that, that didn't get hot, that was having tough at-bats, uh, just couldn't put it together on defense uh, as well, couldn't do the little things. And Tennessee came in there and, and took that that series uh, to head back to the Women's College World Series. And I'm not surprised. We've said this all year long, Gray. We're not surprised that Tennessee is in the Women's College World Series. We've just seen them do uh, the, the little things, like I said, time and time again, great pitching, good defense. And then Kiki Malloy, just her start to that, that, thir- that second game. Uh, I, she's just incredible. She's a playmaker. Uh, she took third uh, on, on just a misplayed ball. I, I can't say enough about her and her leadership uh, and Karen Leakley and what she's done uh, for that squad this season. And they're going to be tough. Uh, uh, in OKC, and I think this is going to be another great matchup with two two SEC teams that obviously have some history. Yeah, and you look up and down the Tennessee lineup. Yes, Kiki hit four seventeen and has in this NCAA tournament. But Zeta Pooney is hitting five hundred in the NCAA tournament. Riley West is hitting three fifty seven. Uh, Jamison Brockenbro has driven in six runs at the bottom of the order. So how about Destiny Rodriguez with Boutte out hits five seventy one. Mm-hmm in the super regional and even with Ashley Roger, I still have some questions and I know that she's had a great year. She looked to be really physically struggling at the end of game one and a lot of props to her for finishing that game and figuring out a way to hold down Texas and get the big outs when they had to. But uh, Tennessee has been, I think Tara, like you said, exactly what we thought they would be this year. They have backed up the hype they have backed up the performances that we saw early in the year and uh, Alabama, Tennessee yet again, I don't have to watch any film for the board. Very excited. Easy prep for gray. Yeah. Easy prep for gray. And I think it's a great game to start off the women's college world series. Uh, Sorry. Red's dragging his leash around. I don't know if everyone can hear him. Um, Um. in terms of that matchup, and also let's look at the the Shipman, Allie Shipman, obviously uh, transferring over from Tennessee to Alabama. Uh, I think that's going to be another key factor there uh, as well. I think there's a lot of storylines heading into the Women's College World Series, uh, and the SEC facing off in that first game is just one of them. Yeah, Allie Shipman, who did not reach the World Series at Tennessee, came to Alabama, finally gets to the World Series in her fifth year, and her opponent is Tennessee. It's just <laughs> that's how it goes. Uh, okay, Tara, shall we look at the right side of the World Series? Yeah, we'll, we'll wait for um, Stillwater until we have our guests jump on. Okay, Let, let's start in Tallahassee. Uh, as Florida State was able to sweep Georgia, um, pretty dominant from the Seminoles. Cat Sandercock, amazing. I love the start that we got for Mac Leonard in game two. I know Mac. Uh, is has been working really hard uh, all year to make sure that she was ready for that moment. And she was Georgia. I, I thought that they misused their arms a bit in game one. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of Kerfix starting game one. I thought it should have been Walters. And then that kind of put them behind the eight ball. Once Florida state was able to hit both Walters and Kerfix 
in game one. And as we say, Tara, Florida State goes to the Women's College World Series every other year. Well, it's every <laughs> other year. Seminoles are back. Yeah. And, you know, game one, I would say 8-1. Uh, and Georgia, a team that is historically have has a ton of offense. I just – I can't say enough about Lonnie Alameda and what she does with that pitching staff. And for her to come in and start Mac Leonard on day two and for Mac Leonard uh, to do what she did in the circle, which we haven't seen a ton of Mac Leonard, but she just knows which, you know, which arms to throw at what times and really puts that squad into uh, a position to win. But a hot Florida State team, again, I'm, I'm going to scream it from the mountaintops. I love the way they run the bases. I, they are the best in the country, in my opinion, in, in running the bases. And um, they turn doubles into triples, singles into doubles, uh, and take two, three bases at a time. And that's what makes them so good. Uh, they, they are able to hit doubles. They lead the nation in doubles. And I just I, I can't say enough about the Seminoles. And I think they're going to make a run at it again. And, and like you said, Gray, every other year that – that hypothesis has now come true and, and we know that it is the every other year and uh, the Knolls are back uh, in the women's college world series yeah so we won't talk about the prognosis for next year we will focus on this year with the every other year <laughs> for florida state and for georgia a, a great season for the dogs but unfortunately just came up short in the tallahassee super regional so florida state's women's college world series opponent is oklahoma state and to discuss that We've brought on, <laughs> if I can find the drop, it might be gone. Here it is, our cleanup hitter for this week's show. Live in the car, it's Amanda Scarborough joining the D1 Softball Podcast. Hey, Amanda, how are you? Hi, friends. Uh, just on beautiful I-35 headed north to Oklahoma City. Love it, Amanda. And everybody, we, we were going to have her be on video, but she's driving. So um, she just, she's just audio in the car for safety. Safety reasons. first. Safety, safety first, first, guys. Hey, wait. I, I added an avatar because, I, I don't know, when I was driving trying to connect, it asked if I wanted to edit my avatar, and I added it. It's a picture of me in the car. So I don't know if you can show that instead of a, a blank whatever, but I don't know. I just was trying to add effects with me being in the car. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I can see the avatar. I don't think our, our – Viewers can't, and it's amazing. I might <laughs> upload it as an overlay. Stay tuned. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's talk some softball. Let's do oh it. Oh my goodness! All right, Amanda. Obviously, you're at the Stillwater Regional. You we're able to watch uh, Oklahoma State defeat Oregon. What were your biggest takeaways from that series? My biggest takeaway. Uh, well, there will be many, so I will make it plural takeaways, is that Oklahoma State looks like a completely different team than when they went 2-11 and and were questioning themselves, were playing with pressure, were trying not to, in Kenny Gajewski's words, lose that top eight seed before the selection show. I mean... This team looked like the team that we saw back in February in Clearwater and that headed into March. I mean, this is a team that looks like they're a team that has made it to the Women's College World Series four years in a row. They have leadership. They have pitching. They played good defense. They got timely hits. Oklahoma State did all the things right. 
which was not happening when they went to an 11, but they have clearly rebounded and reset. And I was questioning it maybe a little bit in the regional, but it was like, it showed its full colors at the super regional against Oregon with the way that they just handled them completely. And let it be known, I have put Amanda's avatar in the top right part of the screen as a logo for this conversation with our dear friend from ESPN. So Amanda, you're on here. <laughs> Great. Love it. I love it. I see it. Uh, Amanda, I want to talk about Kelly Maxwell. Uh, <laughs> Kelly Maxwell did not get the start in game one. Uh, you and Kevin were talking about it on the broadcast, perhaps a bit of a surprise. Lexi Kilfoyle was great in game one. Kelly Maxwell, I feel like, made a statement with her performance in game two, taking a perfect game into the seventh. What, what did you see from her, especially in regards to what you had seen from her in her previous couple outings coming in? I felt like she just was not nibbling around the strike zone. She was attacking the strike zone. Even when she fell behind, she, you know, she wasn't perfect. It's not like she threw 23 out of 23 first pitch strikes. If she fell behind 2-0, 2-1, she still found a way to get outs. And I think that that was the difference between how uh, she pitched this past weekend versus how she was pitching before. She might have fallen behind. But then she would find a way or like in that when she would fall behind, then she would end up walking them and like so many free. And so in this almost perfect game, I mean, she was two outs away. Uh, she just attacked the strike zone and she just looked, you know, like her more uh, old school self. And I'm sure that Kenny Gaski loved to see it. John Barkveld, their pitching coach. Lexi Kilfoyle loved to see it because they need her. Lexi, everybody needs her on that team uh, to be Kelly Maxwell. And she looked confident and it was crazy. I don't know if you guys heard this in the interview afterward, but Kenny told us that Kelly Maxwell and her catcher, Taylor Tuck, were throwing up in the dugout um, mid-game. Um, I still need to get complete specification if it was <laughs> nerves from Kelly or if maybe they had eaten something bad. I don't know. But either way, from whatever it is, if you're throwing up in the dugout and almost throwing a perfect game with your catcher, like what an amazing story to tell uh, later. And it, of course she didn't get the perfect game, but still like, Hey, when the game that remember when we almost had a perfect game and we made it to the women's college world series and we were throwing up in the dugout, like she still worked through that and looked that good, which is amazing. The vomit victory. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> Love that alliteration. Yeah. Can't, can't, can't always use vomit with the alliteration, but we somehow put it off on this show. <laughs> Amanda, now we all know you're heading up to the Women's College World Series. Which matchup are you most excited to see on day one, on Thursday, the first day, which will have uh, four games on Thursday for everybody's viewing pleasure? Which one are you most excited to see? Gosh, it just seems like every game has its own unique storyline. Uh, it's hard to pick one because I'm excited about all four. Um, but how can you not be excited about the potential of watching Kennedy pitch against Oklahoma? I, I think that that's the one that's sticking out the most to me. Um, and, of course, like Jessica Allister has not given me the – oh, sorry, that's my ways. Um, uh I was going to say, Jessica Allister has not given us the lineup yet as it's Monday and they don't play until Thursday. Uh, but I mean, how would you not pitch Kennedy? I, I have a, like, I would want to, so I just am wanting to see Kennedy against Oklahoma hitters and for her to have a shot at them and, and see what it looks like um, and how Oklahoma handles her electric rise ball. I think that's the one for me. 
I want to look back at the weekend, Amanda, because you were done Thursday and Friday. So you had Saturday, you had Sunday to sit and watch all the super regional action. What what intrigued you the most? What do you feel like drew you in the most? What what was the most fascinating thing that you saw this past weekend while you were on the couch checking out the softball around the country? Man, that's a really good question. Um, the you know the one thing that stood out to me was like the lopsided scores. That was kind of a bummer. Um, I felt like uh, I just wanted to see some closer games. Like the most probably back and forth game was the, you know the Northwestern Alabama series, and then the, that Clemson OU game. Um, but I that's the one thing to me that was missing from super regionals was just like the back and forthness that we usually see. It just there weren't that many lead changes, and so I'm hoping that. Uh, because there weren't that many in Super Regionals that they're leaving them all for the World Series. Um, then the other thing that I'm noticing, too, is just how we get these star pitchers at the Women's College World Series that are in their fifth year. Kat Sandercock. I mean, the list goes on and on with, like, Jordy Ball. Or, well, she's not in her fifth year, but some are in their fifth year and some are just stars to, like, Kennedy. You know, like, we get, like, the pitchers that we've been talking about all year. We get them in Oklahoma City, which I don't think always happens, but we get it this year. And then the other thing that I'm keeping my eye on, and I kind of clicked last night when I was thinking about all eight teams, is – uh, five of the eight didn't even make supers last year, which is so interesting to me. And so my hope for the World Series is that not those teams just aren't happy to be here and go and don't play well, that they, they let the moment get too big, that they play nervous because we all know what it's like to be there for the first time. And I, I know that some of these teams have players that have experience, but I mean, like, you know, for the majority, don't have a ton of women's college World Series experience. And so I'm hoping for the benefit of the World Series that these teams just aren't all happy to be there, that they, I'm sorry, that they play their best softball um, of the year and, and just aren't the team that's kind of starstruck by the, the big stage. So those are the three things that kind of stuck out to me. And I'm going to put my phone down a little, just a little bit because of that policeman that you guys just heard about on the roads. <laughs> Oh, uh, well, Amanda, last question. Where can, what games are you, do you and Kevin have uh, on Thursday? Are you the day games? Are you the night games? Where can, where can we listen to you and hear your incredible analysis? Yeah, we'll have the first two games on Thursday. So that will be Alabama, Tennessee, and Oklahoma, Stanford. And then we'll just kind of hop around all weekend. It'll be a little hodgepodge schedule. So, yeah, great. Man, love it. <laughs> thanks, for, <laughs> thanks for chatting with me. I could chat with you the whole time on my way to Oklahoma City about softball, but I guess I have to go. Hey, it's fine. Well, I'm sure we'll be calling you at some point later yeah. on today just to just to catch up. And Amanda, uh, I I hope you have a safe rest of your drive, and very excited that both Tara and I will be able to see you in person in just a few days. Yes, can't wait to give you both a big hug and thanks, and I'll see you soon. Bye. Thanks, Amanda. Bye. Safe travels, Amanda. Thanks. All right. We will remove the logo from the top right. Amanda has left the building. Yeah. And the, and the bottom, lower yeah. third. You did the top. I did the lower third live on the I-35. Amanda Scarbo, she's incredible. Love it. I, I Yeah, Amanda... She saw such an interesting super, I feel like. Yeah. I was, yeah. and we didn't even really touch on Oregon. I know, I was thinking that. Yeah. We could touch on it. I was I was amazed at how 
clear it was that they had never been on this stage. And, and really for Oregon, a big part of the accomplishment is just that they got to Supers, you know, considering a couple of years ago, this was a, a roster that was, that was bare, that was just trying to stay afloat and, and get over 500 to even get to super regionals is amazing. But on the, on the stage, the ducks made a lot of mistakes and Oklahoma state was just too good from start to finish. And, you know, it, it was a different squad that we saw uh, in regionals uh, for the Oregon ducks and I'm not quite sure if it was nerves or just overmatched. And I think what Amanda said on the call is, this is an Oklahoma State team that was completely different than we've seen in the last month. Uh, and that Oklahoma State team that we saw in February was scary. Mm -hmm. uh, we were, I was thinking, they're going to go after OU and potentially sweep OU. And I know I, that's crazy that I, say, I would have said that. But that's how good they were in February. And I think they are now peaking again at the right time. And that's what we saw from uh, Oklahoma State. I don't know. Uh, if Oregon, if that was a great matchup for Oregon and those arms either. So in terms of Oregon and the Ducks, incredible season again for them, a team that we didn't expect to see in Supers. Uh, so Melissa and Lombardi just plugging away there and getting the Ducks uh, farther and farther along uh, in her tenure there as head coach. So congratulations to them uh, and, and an incredible season for the Oregon Ducks. Yeah, Oregon will be back, no doubt in my mind. Let's go to Seattle. We've got one last Women's College World Series matchup, and it's a conference matchup, of course, Washington and Utah. More on Utah in just a bit, but Tara, the Huskies shut out Louisiana twice. Uh, situational hitting, a big issue for the Cajuns. I know at last check in game two, they were two for 16 with runners on base. They had dozens and dozens of chances, but could never get a run across the board. Washington kind of picked up where they left off offensively in game one from the end of the McNeese game. And then game two, it's not about how you do it, just how you do it. They found ways to scratch runs across, including a steal of home. Oh, and my gosh. Ruby Malin's face said it all. The Huskies are going back to the Women's College World Series. Yeah, Brooklyn Carter stole home. I mean, arguably one of the, in my opinion, one of the greatest uh, plays. Just I, I was shocked and – I was even cheering because that's that's really difficult to do and something that you don't see any every day or even in a year. Uh, so, yes, again, the Huskies get it done. Can't say enough about Lindsay Lopez and her performance as of late. She didn't throw a lot of innings uh, in the beginning of the season, even in conference play. And just her third or fourth game throwing more than five innings for the Huskies. But like you said, Gray, Ruby Malin, her face uh, when they clinched, uh, heading to the Women's College World Series, incredible. Sammy Reynolds leading that squad. Bailey Klinger uh, as well. Jaden Alchin stepping up uh, and getting some pretty big key hits uh, for the Huskies. But again, good good team win for Washington. And you're right, Gray, situational hitting for Louisiana. Really tough with runners in scoring position. Uh, a team that averages almost six runs a game uh, to be shut out. That was a tough pill to swallow, I think, for Jerry Glasgow and that squad because normally able to get it get it done on the offensive end, but just can couldn't do it against Ruby Malin uh, or Lopez. Lopez was spinning it and, and did a nice job against the lefties. That lefty lefty matchup is always tough. But congratulations to Louisiana, uh, an incredible season, reaching the supers uh, and proving that potentially they should have been uh, a regional host, which. I know they were a little bit upset about, but congratulations to the Raging Cajuns uh, on an incredible year.
Yeah, a great year. Sometimes it just doesn't happen for you. And unfortunately for, for the Cajuns in those critical hitting situations, it just didn't happen. Third time they've been shut out this year. Two of them came in the Seattle Super Regional. Uh, but a lot of credit to Louisiana, who, again, continues to knock at the door as they have the last few years of getting back to Oklahoma City and another team that you just feel like is going to be there soon. Just gonna, They're going to get there soon. And for Washington, I again want to reference the McNeese game. They were down 6 nothing in the seventh, and less than a week later, they're going to Oklahoma City. It's it's kind of amazing, really, when you lay it out like that. Yeah, what an incredible turn of events for the Huskies. Lots of highs, some lows, and then highs again. And then to get it done as a squad and are now advanced and heading back to the Women's College World Series. Can't say enough about Heather Tarr and what she's been able to do uh, with the Huskies because if you looked at, at Washington during Pac-12 play, you wouldn't have guessed that we would see Washington back at the Women's College World Series and finding a way to win, finding a way to uh, win Ducks are on the pond, bring them in, or, or Huskies on the pond, I guess, um, and just done a nice job uh, for that team and to head back to the Women's College World Series, pretty special uh, for that squad. And so those Huskies that are on the pond or wherever they are <laughs> will be taking on the Utes of Utah again. By the way, everybody who's played here has played each other already this season. Oklahoma State and Florida State in Stillwater, mm -hmm. Alabama, Tennessee, Stanford, Oklahoma, Washington and Utah, no different. They have played four times this year and split them to a piece. And Utah makes the semi-dramatic comeback after losing game one, games two and three, score-wise, fairly comfortable. Game three, tight. Utah busted it open a bit at the end. But how about them youths? Amy Hogue and that squad from getting swept by UCLA just a few weeks ago and people saying, well, you know what? Eh, we, we kind of believed in Utah, but maybe they aren't ready for the big stage. I said that. To winning the Pac-12 tournament winning regionals and winning supers and going to Oklahoma city. It's an amazing story. Amazing story. And Amy Hogue leading that squad back to the women's college world series for the first time since uh, 1994. So 29 years we're looking at for the Utes since the last time they played uh, at the women's college world series. But again, another Lopez in the circle, Mariah Lopez, this time another lefty getting it done for the Utes. Uh, and again, this regional just, you know, not a, not a, ton of solid defensive play i'm going to be honest with you gray and i think errors were the key here and that's a big reason why utah advanced san diego state took game one ellie late had a, a great performance in the circle for the aztecs uh, aj murphy was was hot at the plate for san diego state uh, they did get it done in terms of being able to move runners uh, put runners in scoring position but the errors were the key here uh, and we saw that on both sides uh, not just San Diego State, Utah, the same uh, as well. Errors early in the game on picking up bunts and throwing to first base. Uh, just a lot of things that need to be shored up on defense uh, heading into the Women's College World Series for Utah. But in terms of the bats, uh, Utah, what they've been able to do, they had 13 hits and only one was an extra base hit uh, yesterday. So being able to to win these these games and overcome errors and, and get it done amy ho can't say enough about what she's done with that that team and what an atmosphere at utah 
that we saw the berm completely full, uh, just Utah alumni supporting and incredible scene there uh, for Utah to play in front of that crowd of, of over 3,000 fans, which uh, isn't something that happens every day for them. So congratulations to them and congratulations to San Diego State on an incredible run. Stacey New Denise and that squad, what they were able to do to advance to the Super Regionals. That's going to be huge for the Aztecs moving forward. Uh, and congratulations to them and what they did this past uh, season. Yeah, and shout out to apparently <clears throat> my radio colleague, Joe Evans, who was on the call on the, I guess, Utah radio network was where that was being broadcast. <clears throat> and that was really cool. I loved every time the camera would flash over to Coach Evans, who is living her best life, like truly right now. She is crushing it, doing amazing work at Santa Barbara, and then coming out to support the Utes. I'm sure she'll be in OKC. I hope I get a chance to chat with her and run into her. Uh, yeah, Utah, all of the flowers that I can pick out of the garden, I'm giving to Utah because they did a, a great job taking advantage of San Diego State mistakes. And to your point as well, the Aztecs, uh, the formula almost worked. Uh, they mm. they just they shot themselves in the foot too many times. But a lot of props to the Aztecs for making the statement that they did. Sam Fisher made a good point on Twitter. Just the fact that they won a game was such a big statement for mid-major schools uh, across the country. And we've seen that more and more, I feel like, lately, Tara, where these non-Power 5 squads <clears throat> are, are coming in and not only competing, they're winning, and they are close to Oklahoma City. And in James Madison's case, they're making runs in Oklahoma City. So as much as it feels like parity doesn't exist at times when you look at Oklahoma, the parity is there, and it will continue to be there. And San Diego State is a great example of that. And absolutely, and I can tell you, in terms of Stacey Newman Denise and her mindset and her mentality, uh, what she's been able to do with the Aztecs, uh, she's only going to propel that program forward. She knows how to win, and the greatest thing is she knows how to also step back as a head coach, and I think that's really difficult for, for most head coaches to do. And so that program is definitely on the rise. Again, they went to regionals last year, now they're in a super, so they're on an upward trajectory as well as you know, a lot of programs that we've seen throughout the country. When you do look at the Women's College World Series, though, they, they all are uh, power fives. But again, arguing that we're, we're knocking on the door with some of the schools that don't have as many resources, as you would say, in a power five uh, program uh, would. But again, hats off to San Diego State uh, and their run uh, this season. So we have gone through every super. <clears throat> Let's flash the schedule. Game one, I'm getting up early. Alabama, Tennessee. Noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, that's local time in Oklahoma, on ESPN. Game two, Oklahoma-Stanford at 2.30 Eastern, 1.30 Central, also on ESPN. Game three, Florida State, Oklahoma State at 7 Eastern, 6 Central on ESPN. 8.30 Central, 9.30 Eastern, game four, Washington and Utah. Pack, pack teams getting that late slot, <laughs> who's surprised, on ESPN. Uh, a reminder, everybody. Because a lot of people are like, oh, Oklahoma will be in the night session. Remember that the Saturday winner's bracket game is on ABC. So the first game is on ABC. So technically the upper part is the quote-unquote prime time slot so that the ABC slot is filled by the matchup that uh, they view to be the one that they want to have on, on network television. And, and Tara, I think it's really exciting that once again we've got some games coming up on ABC in the Women's College World Series. We will have to recreate the video 
with our <laughs> friends at the gate and our But uh, looking at this schedule, all of these games have something, as Amanda said earlier, extremely compelling uh, about them. And I think that this could be a really, really fun day one in OKC. <clears throat> Absolutely. And we talked about this. All these teams have played uh, each other in the regular season. So it is a rematch on every single game. Uh, and there is storylines across each and every one of those games. And again, I agree with Amanda. I, I want to see if Kennedy throws against OU. I, I, there's a part of me that that thinks Vodder is going to get the start. Actually, I, I think she might get the start because she throws the ball down in the zone and she throws hard down in the zone and makes it speed. But my heart would love to see Kennedy against uh, the Sooners. But there's a part of me that thinks that that Vodder might get the start uh, for for Stanford and then then bring in uh, Kennedy uh, in relief is what I'm predicting, Gray. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I think I think either way. It's it's fascinating. You can disagree. Great. You I, can I totally just, disagree. I want to see Kennedy. That's I look. Okay. I am I am a I am a simple man. I think Nigeria Kennedy uh, is it your national freshman of the year. Probably all due respect to Karen. Uh, excuse me, Taryn Kern, who had a great mm -hmm. year at Indiana. But man, Kennedy's ball just jumps, and I, I want to see how OU handles that and how she handles that because she's been in pressure situations this year and pitched well. And she didn't get a look at Oklahoma earlier. I, I just, that's the matchup that, that I want to see. I want to see Kennedy versus the Sooners. If it's Vodder, as good as she has been, she has given up some runs in, in the last few weeks. And I don't know how many runs Stanford can afford to give up against Oklahoma in that game, considering the opposing pitching that the Cardinal will be facing. Well, well, we'll get to see on Thursday. I'm just throwing my prediction out there. Could be wrong, uh, but that's uh, I'm saying in my brain. That's what I think is going to happen. Uh, my heart would love to see Kennedy, but uh, that's what I think is going to happen in terms of that start. I uh, just want to before we end the show, want to remind everybody. I think at the top of the hour we said we're going to have some merch available at the Women's College World Series, and here's a sneak peek of what we're going to have. We're going to have some D1 gear available for for purchase uh, at the Women's College World Series. We've got a nice black tee. We've got a white tee. And then we're going to have some team hats. So that is the Florida State hat. We'll have team hats for every single team available. Uh, actually, on the LC uh, Fan Fest just across the way. So we'll give you some details on all that apparel that's available. Probably going to sell out. So uh, I would recommend that if you're there on Thursday to come on over and get that gear because um, there's really cool team gear, which I think you all are going to like. I'm, I'm going to need you to, to, to set a little bit aside for me, Tara, if, oh, okay. if you don't mind. Um, yeah, before, I got you. Before we, before we do all of our content making this weekend, which I'm really excited about. I, I, I got to say, uh, I know that the video is circulated a little bit on Twitter yesterday. Uh, calling the Alabama um, Super Regional victory. And, and I think watching the, the video that the NCAA put out of all eight teams celebrating going back to the Women's College World Series or going to the Women's College World Series for the first time in their careers, it, it, does, it, it does mean a lot. And I think that sometimes you forget about it uh, until you're right back in that moment. But 
man, this is going to be such an incredible weekend. This is the pinnacle of the sport of softball. And I think that based on how this season has gone, uh, if you think you know what's going to happen, I would reevaluate because you never truly know what's going to go down once we get to Hall of Fame Stadium. You don't, and that's why we love the game. That's why we play the game. This is why we're at this point in the season because we don't know what's going to happen. And we've got eight incredible teams that are embarking on an incredible journey to Oklahoma City, which is is really unlike anything else uh, in the world to be able to play on the highest stage uh, for what I think is the greatest sport uh, in the world. So just excited to head out to OKC. We're going to have some pregame shows for you all. Stay tuned on where those are going to be. Uh, we've got some a, a, some fun tricks up our sleeve, and hopefully we can bring you some, some live content from uh, Hall of Fame Stadium uh, and some places around Oklahoma City. All right, Tara, uh, I got to move the clothes from the washer to the dryer. So anything that you want to say before we wrap up this edition of the D1 Softball Podcast? No, I just want to thank all of you who've joined today, who, who continue to join and participate every week uh, on the chat and support D1 Softball. We wouldn't be able to do what we do without all of you. And I just can't thank you enough for your support and Gray for, for you to, to, to do this with me every week and make sure that uh, the people get to hear uh, what has happened last week and, and preview uh, into the week. Thank you so much for all that you do for our sport. Uh, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to cover it as well as we do uh, without you. So uh, just want to thank everybody and excited to head out to the women's cultural series tomorrow, uh, heading out to OKC. Uh, can't wait to see you there. Gray. Tara, are we going to Cattleman's? We didn't make any bets this year, but we're going, right? We're going. We're going okay. to Cattleman's. We'll get you guys a photo. Good. Correct. Correct answer. Uh, Tara Henry, my wonderful partner. I cannot wait to see your smiling face in 36 hours, probably, <laughs> thereabouts. Uh, thank you to Kelly Higby behind the scenes. Thank you to Amanda Scarborough, you know, dodging everything on I-35 to, to stay on the phone with us. And uh, I'll flash her <laughs> little logo one more time up there in the top right because it, it is a, a pretty good avatar. Uh, this has been the D1 Softball Podcast. Remember, check out all the wonderful content on D1Softball.com. Use the promo code PODCAST20 to get 20% off of an annual subscription. And make sure that you follow D1 Softball on all social media channels. We've been waiting for the road to the Women's College World Series. And now, Tara, we're finally getting on that road. Let's go. Can't wait. For the D1 Softball Podcast, that's Tara Henry. I'm great. I'm, I'm, like, I'm frozen on my end, so I just was waiting for you to close the show. We'll see you all, all in OKC, everybody. All is well. See you this weekend. Have a great day, everybody.